0: Hello, and welcome to Data Disruption. This show is a deep dive into data problems, solutions, and innovations disrupting the private markets. I'm your host, Kaylee Jacoby. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to this episode of Data Disruption by Mercatus. I'm your host, Kaylee Jacoby, and today I'm joined by technology leader and former co-CTO of KKR, Asunta Gagliani austin Asunta, thank you so much for joining me today. Good morning, Kaylee. Great to be here. So today we're going to be talking about data technology implementation, specifically from the CTO's perspective. Now, Asenta, I know you have an incredibly decorated background centered around data technology, but for our listeners, could you tell us a little bit about your journey and why you're so excited to chat about data technology today?
1: Sure. Happy to. Um, I'd say that I originally got interested in the private markets and the data problem, let's call it that, about 10 years ago when everything In every group, in every department of of the firm that I worked for, did everything in spreadsheets. And there's got to be a better way. As a technologist, you know, you can lead these people to a better way. And over 10 years, got to see both the problems and a set of solutions and how they evolved over time. And it's honestly one of the favorite parts of my job.
0: That's when everything changes, is when someone recognizes there's got to be a better way. Today, we're going to be really talking about why a solid data platform is essential and the challenges that you mentioned already plaguing the investment executives when it comes to successful implementation. So let's start just at the basis here. Why is having a solid data platform so crucial to an asset manager's success? Sure. It's foundational.
1: You'll hear me use that word. And if others use it too, absolutely truth. Um it's like a house if you don't have a solid foundation it doesn't matter how lovely your your windows and your rugs and your paint color are. And so there are so many constituencies in this space that need data, actionable data for decision making. And what ends up happening is there are lots of smart people who are really fast workers and very bright and they all attack the problem in different ways at the same time, and then you end up with pockets of really good information everywhere, both inside the firm and outside, because you've got GPs and LPs that are two sides of the same coin, and they're both doing the same thing, aggregating information across companies over time, trying to assess whether or not they should invest or how they should invest or how much. So many questions that all these different groups have and it all is fed on data. So if the data is not good, what is everybody doing?
0: (laughs) Um, So it's foundational. I like how you said that if the data is not good, then then what's the point really in these decisions? So I know that there's kind of a conversation happening constantly that is plaguing executives on, okay, are we going to build this in-house? Are we going to invest in a technology program? How do we go, go around evaluating different technology platforms? You know, maybe we can do it ourselves. We have such unique needs. Talk about that for me. You know, what? how do you know what's right for your business? And then what does that process really look like?
1: Okay, so this one might be a long answer because I think I am uniquely placed to talk about this because uh, ten or twelve years ago, myself and a, and a small group, we built a platform in house because again, we thought we could do it better. There were so many nuances, et cetera. Built a platform to aggregate portfolio company information and to report on it. So that group did it all, soup to nuts. It onboarded portfolio companies. It created the platform, the data model. It collected the information and became data governors. It produced the reporting. It explained it all to people that didn't understand what a certain number meant, et cetera, et cetera. And if I had to do it all again, having that wonderful experience in in solving a lot of problems for a lot of different groups within the firm and outside the firm, if I had to do it over again, I would buy it. Maybe not all of it because there's some bits like the end state reporting and the aggregation of some things, but you need a platform where somebody's waking up every morning, not you, <laughs> or rather in my case, not me. I'm not the one waking up every morning trying to figure out you know, how to collect it and the mechanics of collecting it and aggregating it. I want the team at my firm to spend time using and consuming the information for decision-making. So if you're going to do anything on a build perspective, do it there. But for God's sake, buy something that a group of people is waking up every morning perfecting on your behalf. And if they're a partner in that and not just here, here's some software um, and you know, pay me once a year uh, or once a month. If you have a partner in that process, oh my god, you've got the best of both both worlds. You're putting your team's firepower, and by your team I mean your tech team and your business teams. You're putting their firepower on the stuff that makes the most sense, the analytics, the impact driven analyses. And then you've got your partner who's minding the store, who's, you know, making sure your platform evolves with you and with your peers because You'll find that your peers have similar problems and they might opine. And if everyone's on a similar platform, it's getting enriched over time while, and they take care of that, while you're taking care of the good stuff. And that is, you know, solving problems within your firm, getting the analysis right for your deal teams, your capital raising people, your product people, your LPs, your customers. That's where you should be spending your time.
0: In a lot of ways, you are a pioneer in this space to have built this yourself with a team and then to understand the value to invest in a technology partner. I really like how you said partner, not vendor. In your opinion, you know what is it that you really honed in on the importance of a partner. What are the qualities of a partner that you see versus a technology vendor? You know, you you mentioned pay me once a year, very off hands um, kind of deal. But for a true technology partner to come alongside your business, what are those things that are must haves? The boxes that they have to check in order to be a successful technology partner with a firm.
1: That's an excellent follow-up question because it's important that you, you highlight vendor versus partner because as a CTO, you're dealing with a lot of vendors in so many different domains. So it's refreshing, a breath of fresh air when you actually have somebody that is a partner, which I would define as someone who really either understands your space or is willing to do what it takes to understand the space with you is very open and willing to share in a respectful way what they're seeing in the industry, in your peer group, or even importantly, not in your peer group, things that you could borrow from another domain. A partner is one that can um, often bring together these groups on a periodic basis to talk to each other. It's it's so hard, even you know, even with all the technology we have, we're doing Zoom meetings. We don't have to travel as much, but you know, even so, it's hard to get a group of people together, have an agenda. Let's talk about this. Let's freestyle something else as it comes up. Somebody to help moderate that and make it happen. Truly valuable and one that actually is often offering solutions so that it's ideation. It's, you know, Hey, have you thought about this? Oh, well, no. Well, maybe you should talk to someone on my team, or maybe someone on my team should talk to you. And you suddenly are more than the sum of your parts. To me, that that's a partner.
0: I love that answer so much, especially it, it highlights the relationship aspect. It highlights the need to have collaboration across both teams. I want to backtrack just for a second, because I thought of something else when you were talking Because you have the unique perspective of you've seen what it's like to have reporting and all of these things siloed in different Excel sheets, like you said. Then you built the technology in-house, and now you're clearly an advocate for buying technology. Just on the spot here, what was the time to get an answer when you needed a report, when you needed specific analytics, when you were just in Excel to when you built your technology in-house to and what your now expectation is for a turnaround time? Could you, you know, just ballpark numbers of, of timeline for that for me? Yeah,
1: I could give you so many stories here. And the famous answer to that is it depends. So Um, And what do I mean by that? So over time, you know, the question of something as simple as how many portfolio companies do we have? And if you ask that of a deal person, you'll get a number and it might include things that they've signed, but haven't closed. You talk to another person in legal or in finance, and they've got a much bigger number because it includes the stuff that there's a residual interest or there's some partial divestiture. And so the numbers are different. So Everyone should have that number in a firm. They should just know that, but everyone's got a different number and they're all right based on their definition. So that's why I say it depends because if it's a straightforward answer, if you're doing it right and your platform is helping you and you've got the right governance in place and checks and balances and all that, you should be able to get that answer within you know, rolling up your chair to a proper user interface in seconds or a day. But if your definitions are fuzzy or squishy across a firm, that's when you get into the spreadsheet gymnastics and, oh, I'll get back to you in a week. And it's because there are a group of people who are trying to meet a slightly different definition. And, oh, that information isn't pat ready. Let me go and get it. Let me have another person or another team check it. And then you're doing all that sort of, you know, spreadsheet gymnastics. So I don't know if I answered the question, but that's a window into if you do it right and you get the whole, you know, it's it's not just a technology problem here. It's a group of people and they're all very bright and have their own points of view, getting them to focus on what's important, what's the definition of what's important and make that ridiculously easy to get. In fact, the word we used to use was delightful. It should be a delight to get that information because everybody knows single source of truth, the the machine I'm rolling up my chair to to get the answer will be you know wonderfully easy and I can trust it. It's when you kind of go off the rails and, and different groups have different definitions and they're nuanced and you have to explain them that it gets really hard as an
0: organization to scale. I love how you said to trust it. Trusting your data is the main point, not just ease of access, but is it right? Is it accurate? Is it trustworthy? when talking about implementation, you have now seen good implementation versus bad implementation. You yourself implemented a technology platform that you built. So could you give us some examples of, you know, how, how important is the implementation process? You know, what are the key things that you need to have in order to make it successful? And maybe throw in a story of when you've seen bad implementation, because I'm sure some of our listeners are like, wow, yeah, I've, I've gone through that before and I don't want to go through that again.
1: It's funny you ask that because it's, my answer is going to is probably going to resonate and echo because it's remarkable how um, predictable a good implementation is and a bad implementation. Nothing earth shatteringly new here, but so many examples over my time, both at KKR and at other firms, where a good implementation is one that starts small, is one that has a defined scope that a lot of different people agree to. So the hardest part is getting that community of different constituencies to agree on something. But once you've done that, and as a CTO, that's that's, that's like your primary job. It's not necessarily the tech. It's getting people, leading people to agree on something to start with, with a vision of where it's going to go thereafter. If you can do that, you've got the foundation for a great implementation, but you need so many hard and soft skills to do that. A bad implementation is one where you don't kind of take that 360 view. You walk into it going, we're going to build a global galactic thing that's going to do it all. And we're going to go into a lot of detail right at the beginning, and we're going to make everybody happy. And you are just going to crumble under the weight of it all. So don't take on too much too fast. Don't promise too much too soon. These are things that are a death knell to any implementation. Certainly one around data. Um, stories that you know I heard in my in my peer group in private markets in global asset managers is getting a group of people to agree on a single report that everybody would buy into and know that the data underlying it was the single source of truth, no other place to go but those numbers, it took them a year to agree on which 50 data points they wanted and the definition of those 50. And when I first heard that story, I'm like, no, are you kidding me? But then as we went into our own journey, you realize, wow, a year wasn't so bad because you need to start small. And what is small? Different people are gonna have a different definition of how many and how much. And then to define each one of those data points, everybody's got a different EBITDA, right? So you got to agree on which EBITDA are you going to include? So that's the story there where you really do need to galvanize a group of people, let them know where the vision is that they're gonna get to and go to
0: in the future, but start them small and iterate, iterate, iterate. That's a great example. And I I love your perspective from having to lead people to a decision, lead people to a consensus from the partner, the technology partner side of things, as you all are having your own internal grapples with these conversations and these debates. And like you said, it takes a lot of time. What are things that as you're assessing technology partners, you're looking to see come alongside that? Are you looking for people to show you the vision? Are you looking for people to listen to the vision that you're that you think that maybe your team is on? What is it, what is that push and pull? Where do where do partners come in and say, no, we understand this? We are the thought leaders. Let us help you without stepping on those toes of we don't want to think that we know your business better than you do, you know? <laughs>
1: No, it's a fine line. You're right. I would say, Kaylee, that this is the hard part of being in this space. You need to be visionary as a leader and as a platform provider and being in that partner role. But at the same time, you can't know everything. You can have that vision. You could look out three to five years and you could go for that. But in the reality of things is, you know. Every six months or so, there's something new that nobody knew about before, and you need to be able to pivot. And so having a platform, the first thing I look for is how did they design it? What's the data model? Is it configurable and granular enough to support what I have today and what I don't know yet for tomorrow? Because that's the limiting thing that I found over and over again with different with different vendors, and I'll use vendors very specifically based on how you and I spoke before, the true platform partner is is going to have that very configurable, very granular level on which me or any other organization can build, build on today when we first start our, our initial small scope, and then as we grow and change and get more complex three to five years down the line. You don't want to get into a relationship with a platform provider or partner every couple of years. It's ridiculously hard to get comfortable in that relationship, and it's really hard to get out of it, right? You want to make sure that the process of working with that partner in this data space is like planning a wedding. You want it to go as smoothly as you can. You know that there are going to be problems. You want to make sure that you can work them out together and that the day goes very, very smoothly. And that'll be what I compare to day one or that go live. But that's just the beginning. You've got a whole marriage to work on. And so understanding, do you share common beliefs, common values, that very configurable, granular set? You know, when you speak tech, you need to understand that you got that data model and those components and those APIs so that you can change over time, that will provide you that hopefully happy long-term marriage.
0: When, like you said, it's an investment of time, it's an investment in relationships, it's an investment of your team and your company, but you know, can't ignore the elephant in the room that this is also a large investment financially. So, you know, there's, there's a cost associated with vendors. There's a cost associated with partners and, you know, it tends to be, you kind of get what you pay for in this space, but sometimes there's a lot of nuances around what is this really worth? What is the foundation of my business of our decision-making worth? I want to ask you though, what is the cost of poor data, data management. You know, there's, there's uh, I can give you a list of numbers for the cost of a technology platform or, um, you know, the cost, you could give me the breakdown cost of what it costs you all to build an in-house platform, but what is the risk and the cost of your business, both financially and internally of not having a data management platform in place?
1: Yeah, it's real. There's so many places that it could bite you in the, in the rear end so there's obviously time so you'll have all these very very smart people running around in that scenario i gave before keeping side spreadsheets of data you know updating them every month and every quarter and using those that's a waste of time these are typically very highly paid individuals lots of brain power that they should be putting on a different problem not updating a spreadsheet on the side then there's the risk of numbers being different from one period to another. I can't tell you how many times I've heard stories. And this, this wasn't necessarily at my firm, but like in our space where a number was presented and someone looks at it, it's going to go on a slide at a, you know, at a client meeting, or it's going to be used in some sort of material. And somebody way down the line at the end of it, at a senior level, looks at the number and goes, that's not right. And then there's this massive effort to figure out how that number came to be and why it might be different than that same number from a quarter ago or the year before, which for people in the know who are hearing this, they're like, oh my God, their head's exploding because tracing that number back, wow. And then so much sort of, you know, egg on the face of all the people if that number truly ends up being indefensible. A lot of time wasted on that. And then there's that feeling of if that number is wrong, well, then is every number that we've ever decided on wrong? And then you get that death spiral of what are we really doing here? Are we making decisions on good data or not? You can't put a price on that. That's just, that's horrible and not the business anybody wants to be in. So you know, there's, there are countless others. You know, there's the, that associated reputational risk. There's the time risk. There's the efficiency risk. There's the, you know, do I trust my data and my decision-making risk, which can all be mitigated by just saying, okay, everybody, let's all sing from the same hymn book. Let's all put a people process, a technology platform around our data because the truth is in the data.
0: Instead of racking up risk, you can actually have clear data, uh, which I feel like is a lot of what executives are struggling with right now with, how do I do that? How do I start maybe even? As we wrap up here today, Asinto, what would be a piece of advice that you would give to any CTOs embarking on this data technology journey today?
1: I think it's an investment upfront In a CTO's time, in a technology leader's time, understanding what people really need, it's trying to listen to what they're telling you and what they're not telling you because they might not have an easy way of expressing what it is that they really need. But a technology leader in this role has that unique ability to have heard what all these different constituencies inside and outside the firm really are looking for and be that glue, be that leader that pulls it all together and says, I've heard what you've said. I've listened. And I've synthesized this into here's what the vision is. That's the hardest part. And that's the thing that takes time. You can't just parachute in and say, hey, this year, we're going to kick off a XYZ project. It's one that you build over time, that consensus because as you said before, it's an investment in time and money and energy, and you're going to want as many people on board as you can to make it successful.
0: Well, Asunta, thank you so much for joining me today. Anyone listening right now is feeling like this is just the tip of the iceberg and you know you need to know more and you want to have further conversation. Asunta, where can people contact you directly?
1: Oh, thank you for that. Um, yeah, they can reach out on LinkedIn. I, I'm there, Asunta Gaglioni Austin. And uh, I want to say thanks again, Kaylee, for for having me on today. This has been great.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Data Disruption by Mercatus. If you like what you heard, share and leave us a review. It helps others discover the show, and I thank you for it. And if you'd like additional insights related to this conversation, go to our website at gomercatus.com slash resources.